Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up earlier today with Eric de Solinier. He's the CEO of Nouveau Monde. They're a Canadian graphite developer with assets in Quebec. Now, they've gone up 10 times since when we last interviewed them, which is obviously rather exciting. We find out why, backed ably by Pallinghurst Group, an expansion plan into Europe, and they're starting to construct their plant uh, and facilities. So if you want our thoughts and opinions on the conversation, the topics we discussed, the company itself, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club, where you can also find detailed company reports and analysis. I think you'll find that interesting. There are summaries of other interviews that we've done to save you some time. There's also some training courses on there to help you with your own diligence, plus commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities, which you'll definitely enjoy. But the most important thing is our thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, safe friendly environment, free from trolling and abuse. If it sounds nice to you and it does to me, go and join them at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Eric, how are you doing, sir? Very good, Matt. Thanks for having me. Well, it's very good. You've had an amazing few months. Not bad. Sure, amazing few months. You're right. It's a lot of work, but we, the whole team is busy, but it's fun. Yeah, it, I guess it is spun up at these heady heights. Uh, we spoke to each other last, I think it was November 2019, long time ago, a long time ago. Uh, I just wanted, I wanted to kind of catch up with you because you've had a remarkable just, I mean, your share price has gone crazy, market cap uh, to boot. Um, you're one of the big big players out there. So I think it's time to ca- catch up with you. Hey, um, where are you? You must be at home. I'm looking at your gorgeous scenery behind you. You've got snow. I'm a little bit jealous. Yeah. I'm just across the river from Ottawa in beautiful Quebec, the west end of Quebec in Gatineau. Yeah. So there you see some big pine. It's, it's my home. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, well, look, why don't we kick off? Give us that one minute overview for people new to this story. There will be a few people who haven't heard it. Uh, and then we'll kind of dive into what you've been up to. Great. So um, at Nouveau Monde Graphite, we have two projects fully vertically integrated from the rock to the finished product for lithium-ion battery uh, customers. So the first project is the Matawini mine and concentrator, where we are building the largest flay graphite production in the Western world. We just got last week, actually, our our full permit on the mine. So we we are now starting the the construction uh, activities at the site. And uh, at Bicancourt, uh, the value-added project where we take the flake and we transform it in anode material, we are now just in the uh, construction phase of our first uh, uh, capacity, I would say, and it will be ready this summer. Yeah, it's fantastic. So this vertical integration is is, is critical to the way that you set it up and structure and you know and positions yourself. I want to talk about the first three quarters of last year. You had a bunch of things to get in place. I know you're fully supported by Pallinghurst, uh, et cetera. So finance was not an issue for you last year. But what were the things you needed to put in place to be able to see this you know, meteoric rise at the end of the year? Yeah, you're totally right. To be fully financed in, in, uh, in times uh, that are critical on a mining project is super important to advance the milestones to get to the point where we are today, in a, where the market is more receptive and the, the understand that you're the most advanced project. So 
Last year, what we did on the mine and concentrator is really operating our phase one capacity. So we have a demonstration plan ongoing since two years. We were able to qualify with customer a lot of flakes. So we have kind of very good uh, sales book now with, with customer for the flake side. We develop a lot the engineering to build the, the, the phase two. And we, uh, we did all the permitting, which is a uh, great milestones. So that's on the mine side. And on Bacon Core, we actually signed a fantastic agreement with All In, the largest chloralkali producer in the world. Because as you can imagine, I cannot do at home a big furnace full of chlorine to purify graphite. You need to be in the, in the right setup. So we found the ideal setup. You cannot dream of a better infrastructure to do our phase one within All In's facility. So we signed this uh, very important and transformative agreement uh, we also signed a technology agreement with Forge Nano, great partner to do value-added uh, anode material. Uh, I mean, that's the right thing to do to use uh, Western-based technologies to better serve this market, this new market here. It's the right thing to do. So I think we were very good at explaining where we are, keep advancing all the important stones that need to be put in place from the rock to the anode material to the customer developing a fully integrated business model. Carbon neutral, carbon neutrality is something super important. We're able to develop the process this way, fully traceable. So we have a traceability project with the Global Battery Alliance, very credible organization with, you know, that includes LG Chem, Volkswagen, and all the big guys in this Global Battery uh, Alliance. So, and also in a safe jurisdiction. So it's the only place in the world outside China you can have a mine, a very good deposit, and nearby a transformation plant, one of the cheapest electricity in the world, uh, the right uh, chemicals and the right setup to use those chemicals and be close to the customer here. We really appreciate what we're doing. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, you hit on a lot of um, buzzwords there and a lot of the moving parts in this. I and mean, obviously last year, for three quarters of the year, nothing really moved. COVID though, did play its part in this. It made people recognize perhaps there's a new way of doing things. Because you've had a few years of telling this story. No one's really paying attention. You're sitting at yeah. 20 cents for a long time, right? Uh, try, trying to get people to get, listen to you. But I guess with Pinehurst on board, it was, yeah, it's like this. I don't want to remember yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a long time. It's like yeah. it never happened. Well, but, but I want investors to understand how difficult it can be, um, you know, when, when you're when you're sort of beating your head against the wall, telling the same story, and no one's listening. But so, how important was COVID in all of this? Two two things there, very interesting things. First, uh, as I said earlier, like no one else in the graphite world were working on their project. I think we're still the only graphite play with more than five employees. We're sixty. We're full blown ahead. And the only reason, and it takes time to develop a mining project. We started the permitting in 2016 and we just got it last week. It takes five years to get a, you know, do the baseline study and all that. So you need to be financed all the way there. So we were really fortunate to have the best partner in the world, the Palingers Group, who did their, you probably know the guy, they are super keen. They're looking at all details. It takes them over nine months of due diligence, looking at all projects in the world. And they, and they were really supportive in the last two years. 
and second, the Quebec government and all our Quebec institutions. So great partnership were financed all the way there. And something else very interesting, you talk about COVID. I think we did the new, uh, our communication team is very good at explaining our story in the last, last year. And I, I, I'm really, we, we had some ideas of targeting a little bit more the YouTubers and explaining our story in two minutes. I think it's simple enough. And we did some easy to understand videos to the right targeted audience at the right time, because now everyone is sitting in front of their computers and probably your audience also is, is increasing a lot because everyone now, instead of doing lunches and roadshows, they do, uh, they like to listen at the interviews like that. So I think we were at the right time starting January, 2020 explaining all the milestones that we were hitting and we were hitting those milestones thanks to the to the money we were getting from from our, our superb uh, partners so, i mean everything was lined up and and even though i was talking about the business model in the past i think last year we showed that we now execute this business model which is much more interesting for shareholders well i i think it is and like and, and, and sorry i just want to stay on this for just a little bit longer because you know we've been speaking to a lot of battery uh metals commodity companies who are you know latching on the ev thematic out there and um you know COVID has changed people's perception on the timing around this EV thematic, okay? Because again, like you, lots of companies telling the story and they're getting, getting nowhere and then trying to find a strategic partner, i.e. someone maybe with, whether it be offtake or whether it be someone in the industry here, the balance sheet to be able to kind of move things along. Pallinghurst are a pure finance place. So what's been, how, how have they got involved? Because technically they're not really, I mean, they can assess, but they're not going to help you do what you do. So what's that relationship been like? Because they've put a lot of money in there. Yeah, they, they have put a lot of money in the past and the, their intention, as we've seen in our last capital raise, is to maintain their their ownership of the company. And, you know, Palingers, if you speak to Arne Frenzen and the team, they will tell you that they are not in the business of investing, uh, you know, less than a few hundred million dollars. So their intention is to keep investing and, and build this project. So the Pellingers guy are, you know, it's maybe 15, 20 people, very technical uh, on mining who decided now to uh, reinvent a little bit themselves rather than being purely mining people. Now they are getting more in the battery materials and understand the battery materials. A few years ago before everyone else, they were able to see what will be happening. They were right. And uh, now they are they have a step more advanced than other funds to understand what really needs to be made to to build a chemical company because now we're not only a mining company but uh, we're now selling a chemical really that will be used to make a like electrochemical uh, reaction in the battery so that the, the chemistry of it and all that it's another technical aspect and they were able to build that up and uh, they selected our company we had a lot of chats. It's a lot of personal, uh, also uh, conversation. Do we fit each, you know, be, between each other? How will the flow will be? And I must say that uh, I really like the, the guys. I mean, it's important when you, you go on a such project, it's a lot of work, it's a lot of uh, emotion, it's a lot of effort. We need to make sure that everyone has the right personality to work together. And, and Arne Frenzen is now the new uh, chairman of the board. Uh, Chris Shepard is working in the team with 
with, with me is he's also in the board and I really enjoy working with the guys. They have a complementary experience that we didn't have in the team before, the experience of building large projects. So they bring a lot to the table. And also they bring a lot of credibility in front of my other investors, especially the Quebec institutions. You know, they, they see me growing from 2012 to today. They saw me like I'm an exploration geophysicist to discover a great graphite project. I need to surround myself with people like Palingers and, and other technical guys if you want to build that and be seen uh, uh, like credible to make this uh, all happen. So you need to surround yourself and Palingers is part yeah. of that uh, movement. Yeah, I think that they, they definitely uh, lay a seat at the the big boys table for sure, not just because their balance sheet, but because of who they know. And talking of which, they've done a deal with uh, Traxxas as well to kind of build a big green fund, which bodes well for the future for you, and their other investments. So quite a quite a chunk of money. Yeah, Traxxas actually is a, they offered us an offtake, was it two years ago or 25,000 ton of our, our capacity. Traxxas, they are a fantastic uh, marketing team, especially in refractory bricks. And we cannot avoid, we need to sell in those traditional markets as well. They can provide good margins. So Traxxas are very well uh, settled in this uh, refractory uh, market. They sold the magnesite as well. They, so, I mean, it's a great partnership. And when you're off-taker and partner, work with your largest shoulder, only good things can happen. Yeah, okay. And I'm, I'm just trying to sort of establish the kind of the, the foundation on which you're building, which is obviously you've obviously got the, the Canadian government, the Quebec government uh, are behind you. Um, they're in, well, encouraging you um, to, to move things forward. You've got the licenses and permits that you need. So there's nothing really can hold you back now. You've, st- you've started, well, you've started the process of um, building, right? Construction. That's it. It's easy, Matt. It's done. <laughs> always, <laughs> always easy in mining. No, I must say. <laughs> you know, when I talk to my team every Friday at 4 p.m., uh, I have a meeting with the whole company. And my job is to re- remind everyone that uh, most of them are shareholders of the company and they're all so happy now, you know, that the, the share price is like that. But I need to remind everyone that it is like a rugby game and it's a rugby game and we need to all work together and the try is very difficult to make. We need to have fun building this project. It won't be easy. We need to work hard every day. We need all expertise in the team. IT to uh, everything, you know. Yeah. Well, like, I, like I, don't, I don't want to kind of talk about, you know, obviously phase one, phase two of the purif- purification plant, for instance, is all, well, I settled, it's underway, you've got a process to go through. I'm really interested in the way that you guys are building this because there's a, you, you talk about electrification and, you know, the, the vertical integration and you've got to do things in a certain way because of the business that you're in, right? The OEMs, the car manufacturers will want the p- complete supply chain to be as green as possible. There needs to be traceability, trackability, all of these good things that you have started, including the electrification component. So was that something forced upon you by Pallinghurst because they felt that was, that was the future as well? Or were you already heading that way yourself? Uh-huh. I'll tell the story, uh, Matt, for you. So, uh, you know, we started to work on the all-electric mine in, in 2017. So in our, we redid our pre-feasibility study. We did the, the electric mine, and then we did the full feasibility study in 2018 on an all-electric concept. You know, the guys at Palingers, when they did their initial due diligence on us, obviously it was not 
very advanced all-electric concept. We needed a lot to be made by OEMs, and it was a bit uh, early to think, really, we will build this all-electric mine. But we kept working on it, and we, we maintained, you know, the, I maintained my point that, guys, this is what we need to do. So let's keep working on it. And I would say the trigger uh, with our friends and with their, all the investors really comes from the customer. I won't name the customer. Obviously, I cannot. But especially in Europe, you, you, we sit there in the, in the boardroom, and the first five slides are about carbon fruit, footprint that need to be reduced and how much it is important for that company to reduce their carbon footprint and how much, how much it, it translates into a cost for them and how much they are ready to pay a premium for if we reduce our carbon footprint. So I was next making the presentation of our company, who we are. Imagine how proud I, I was in front of the, my new investors and Palingers and uh, to, to present to a large customer that guys were developing carbon neutral product and we're working on it since 2017. So you, after that, you were right. It was uh, everyone idea. Yeah, <laughs> always. <laughs> so that's fine. So, but I mean, <laughs> it's important to have investors who bring real, realistic perspective because it's not an easy thing to develop an all electric mine. There's a lot of uh, different uh, trade-off to do to make sure that it's feasible and it won't be made at crazy higher cost, you know, so we need to make a homework properly. But if we didn't start to work on it in 2017, in, in 2020, we wouldn't be ready. And, uh, you know, now it's in our decree, it's in, in our permit. The Quebec government want to know all, all that we do every year to electrify our whole fleet. And we have five years starting in 2023. So by 2028, give us enough, enough flexibility in our permit to be fully electrified and be really uh, you know not using any di diesel on site have you used so, have you thought about uh, autonomous vehicles as well i mean how far are you pushing this yeah but actually there are some oems and we 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 did a public um, uh, request for interest that we started last fall and we will announce shortly in the next few weeks uh, who won this first request for bid or request for interest for some parts of our mining, our electric mining fleet. But some of the big OEMs that will be able to announce in the, in the future are providing a, an autonomous solution. And it's quite interesting. Autonomous, all electric boats. So, I mean, technologies are there. We just need to ask for it and make sure the customer are able, uh, the, not the customer, but the OEM are able to provide those uh, those fleet, but that's very exciting. Like everyone on the globe, the larger OEM are all working on uh, electrification of the EV duty uh, uh, business segment that we're in. It's either uh, battery powered or fuel cell powered because us, we are 60 tonners area. So it's, we are not even in the, in the mining division of Caterpillar, we are in the construction division at 60 tonner. Like above that, it becomes con uh, mining, but 60 tons, it's like all the quarries, all the construction site and the smaller mines like us. So it's a bigger market for them. So it makes sense to start by electrifying those, uh, uh, those sites and it's easier. So it could be battery powered, it could be fuel cell powered, 
and both have advantage and disadvantages and, and we need to do the trade-offs. You know? Yeah, it's kind of interesting when you have the conversations with the Quebec government, for instance, you know, they'll be looking for not, not just you paying taxes and royalties and all of that kind of good stuff and money rippling throughout the, 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 the province, but jobs. So the autonomous component versus jobs, it, it, it's a kind of bit of a trade-off as far as I imagine discussions with Quebec, but in terms of your conversation with customers, that would further guarantee reducing carbon footprint. Yeah, I mean, uh, Quebec government look at uh, everything in a holistic way. So they could, uh, they look obviously at the tax we will pay, but it's not the main, uh, the main uh, value creation for them. It's also the new expertise we are creating, developing an all electric mining concept that could be exported anywhere in the world, developing the first uh, training program around it and make something out of uh, a non-urable resource like our project, but create something that will be uh, renewable and will be a, so that that's true sustainable development. When you can, you can develop stuff that will survive to your project afterward. So Quebec government look at it this way. We need to develop a new market segment in the raw material uh, battery space. And maybe, you know, in Quebec, the largest, I would say, industrial base uh, uh, market segment, it's aluminum smelter. We do have a lot of aluminum smelter thanks to our low cost electricity. So we have nine of the 10 aluminum smelter in Canada are in Quebec, but we have no bauxite for it. You know, we import bauxite from South America. So what I'd like to remind uh, the Quebec government is graphite. We are the largest graphite uh, producer in the Western world since over 100 years in Quebec. In the last 45 years, it was like Asbury Graphite and then Imris operating a mine here. So we have this expertise that we have developed and this brand in Quebec of developing great flake graphite. It's less known because graphite was a smaller business in general, now that graphite is becoming a much bigger business in the world, we need to expand that market segment. And in Quebec, we cannot do everything. We're only 8 million people. But graphite, it's like the future of aluminum, similar, but we do have the bauxite in the ground and great graphite deposit. And we have great uh, low-cost electricity, the infrastructure. We have the local customer. I mean, we have everything to develop to be the leader in the world in Quebec in, in, in graphite. And that's why I, that's what I think I was able in the last few years to, uh, to explain to the, uh, the, the, the government officials. And now we have a fantastic government who are pro-business and they, they need to do something post-pandemic. And I really believe like that uh, the government is behind us to develop the supply chain alongside our larger shoulders. I mean, Everything is lined up for us to develop this and make it happen. Okay, I, I, I've seen a few of your interviews. I don't really want to talk about the engine here. I don't want to talk about your mining or your processing because you've you've put you've put new people on the board. You've got your your licenses, your permits. You've got the money in place. The technology you've you've proven. I'm interested at the the cash end, the customer, right? Because. A lot of the announcements that you've made are around, you know, things that you have done to, that you need in place to be able to sell a product. So can we just talk yeah. about the products that you're looking to sell and those markets? Because, you, you know, to build 
the largest graphite producer uh, you know in the West, i.e., compete with China. You're going to need to you know sell a lot of products. So, what are the markets that you've identified? You've opened up a European office, which is a big clue, uh, I suspect, where you where you think you're going to be selling into. So, can you just kind of run through that and give us the idea and the size and the scale of what you hope to be able to achieve? Yeah, so there's three market segments, three market pillars in graphite that we have identified. The first is the refractory bricks. It's boring, you know, so we need to be in that market. So that's why we did the deal with our friend at Traxxas, who knows and cover upside down that market. They knows all the customers. They brought those guys on our project site and we, we are ready to sell that 25,000 ton. If the price is good, I mean, we always need year after year decide where we place uh, every ton of graphite. And if the market is better in this market segment one year, we will do. If the market is better in another, we'll do in another market segment. The other, so that's a quarter of our 100,000 ton a year. Then 15,000 ton a year, it is the specialty graphite. That's a that's a lot of different things. That's foil for iPhone. That is a bipolar plate for fuel cells. It is lubricants. There's tons of little things that provide high margin, lower volume business, but we need to be there. Like uh, jumbo flake for, uh, for making foil for iPhones, you can sell that well above $2,000 a ton. So we need to do, sell, sell, sell in that market. It's just smaller quantities. And then the remaining is the lithium-ion battery. And this is a new thing in the Western world. Selling anode material for lithium-ion battery in the Western world never been made. It's only, only been made in Asia. And in Asia, uh, we need to look who's successful in Asia. The most successful company today in Asia is a company named BTR New Material Group in China. They own three mines and they are fully vertically integrated. They are the only one who has this business model. All the other ones are purchasing the, the, the raw material. The Koreans and the Japanese were not able to sustain the reduction of cost that BTR were able to make thanks to the full vertical integration. So now when we're developing our business model, we're looking at who were successful. We hired a few engineers <laughs> from there that came and worked for us. We have a two Chinese uh, engineers working in our team to better understand what is being made uh, over there and adapt the process and adapt it with our strength here, with our electricity intensity and all that. So we, we did a lot of work on that front, but we need to understand the product that, and BTR actually in the last three years were so successful at taking all market shares, especially in the Western world. So today when we talk to customers, it's much easier. The point the product in the catalog of BTR, and that's what I'm using, and uh, can you do this product? In the past, it was a niche commodity and old material, and everyone has their different specs and it was getting complicated. So now, at, actually, BTR were so successful at displacing the rest of the market that it's much easier. And in the Western world, all those customers, they cannot rely 100% from China. It, it's impossible. Like the large OEMs, the car makers, they cannot have a procurement team that uh, is satisfied with 100% control the raw, strategic raw material from China. So we don't want to displace BTR or any other Asian outfit only on cost and be the number one of uh, any given customer. We want to be the best number two of everyone. And it took me a while to understand that, but we hired in our team 
the ex-head of sales of Imrisk, Graphite and Carbon, the ex-head of sales of North America for SGL Group. So we have very good experts how to position us in the market. So we want to create a situation where we're, we will provide 15 to 25% of the requirement of a specific customer where we will sell not only compete on cost because the second supplier is not the one that want to be it's not on cost it's providing more value by de-risking the supply chain of our customer by being fully vertically integrated in the western world providing a carbon neutral solution for them fully traceable and at a cost competitiveness very cost competitive but we are not the one that they will target year after year, month after month. Hey, can you make it cheaper? No, no. Us, we provide more value to you. So that's why you were talking about making offtakes. It's great. I could have made offtakes and I could have been desperate to sign an, off an offtake with customer if I, weren't, if I wasn't supported by such patient shareholder who understand what needs to be made in the market. We could have rushed this, but we cannot rush this. This is super important. So we are in very interesting discussion with the whole marketplace as we speak. I don't want to go into specifics, but when we will sign an anchor customer to build our capacity in Bacancourt, it will be a very good deal that is good for them, good for us, well-structured, and we have the time is with us now. In the last few years, it was a, a buyer market. Like the buyers could buy uh, graphite a little bit from Asia and all that. There was not a big growth. There was no EV on the road, you know. There was only Teslas, but and only five hundred thousand of it produced. That it's fifty thousand ton of graphite. So it was really a buyer market. It's becoming a, a producer market. It's obvious that it is becoming a, a producer market by twenty twenty three, because all the customers are now they have a procurement team who knock at our door. Hey guys, what is your plan? Oh, can you add a zero at the end of it? Because you really need the big quantity. Yeah, well, yes, but sign here and it takes another four years to redo my permitting if you want me to expand to 200,000 ton a year. So that's the kind of discussion we have now. It's like, how can you expand this? How can you make a bigger capacity? Because by 2024, I need to, to buy all of that. And the, the customer don't realize how long it takes to build a mine. Everyone want a mine in the Western world. We are the only one fully permitted like that with a large capacity. It will take four years for another one to get permitted like that. You know, it cannot be made. The mining, it takes time and it takes much longer time building a mine and building what we do compare building a battery plant. Battery plant is less than two years. You have a battery plant up and running. Do the financing, build a battery plant. Oh my gosh, where I will procure my, my graphite, my lithium, my nickel, and oh, I will, I will make a deal with the company because now I need to make a deal, but the company will just provide it in four or five years. <laughs> so, I mean, that's why we are really well-timed. The timing of our project is fantastic. To be in the market and alone in 2023, 2024, 2025, the, the graphite price will go up. Sure, like if you look 2012, the graphite price was to the roof for no reason. It's a small market. Now the demand, the fundamental demand is increasing at a pace that is unseen. And uh, I mean, it's not a big market. There's not a lot of supply coming online in the, in the next three years. So we will be there with a very good value proposition for, uh, for 
our shareholders. Yeah, what, what I think is really interesting about what, what you said, well, a few things, but um, you've been a small company for a long time, banging one story into the marketplace. You've very quickly become, because of the timing, very important player potentially. And, but you recognize the need to keep this competitive tension. There's no point in going head to head with Chinese because they'll under, undercut you. You know, that's going to make life very difficult for you. So you, you've found a way of positioning yourself in the marketplace by, you say, providing value. What's that mean? Uh, it means uh, uh, value can be seen in a different ways, you know. De-risking a procurement is, uh, is bringing value to customer. So, uh, and bringing carbon neutral product is value for them. They start to, uh, you know, I have as much meeting with uh, PhDs in life cycle analysis and sustainability rating and all that. We understand well enough that providing a scope two carbon neutral product and even an option for scope three with a slightly different pricing uh, methodology uh, to customer is value. This is value because then they will be able to tell their consumer, all the people like you and I want to buy, which car I want to buy. I want to buy a carbon neutral uh, car, you know, or the lowest footprint uh, possible, you know. So that's why you see the large OEMs starting to position themselves, which one is the greenest, because the consumer want to buy the greenest car possible. So we bring value by offering a fully traceable because it's, it's important to be carbon neutral. But you need to to prove it <laughs> and prove it with a methodology that is uh, accepted, you know, that is uh, accredited. So that's what we do. Traceability, it is important to prove your carbon neutrality, prove your jurisdiction, safe jurisdiction, how it was mined uh, and all that. And I would say the large OEMs, the large customers are not used to talk to miners. Usually they, maybe they talk to steel maker for a, certain lot of steel, but they are not used to talk to miners and miners are not used to talk to OEMs. So it's uh, the dialogue, we need to adapt ourselves. You need, we need to, you need to be willing to get uh, naked in terms of your cost and how you process things and all that. It's not something that the typical mining project are used to do, but you know, so we need to accept that. If you want to be a supplier of the car industry, you need to show your process with all the confidentiality agreement in the world, show your carbon footprint at every step, show your costs at every step, and show that, okay, guys, if you, how we make a deal now based on what you know. And, uh, and we need to do that with each single of them. And I don't mind because I know that when we get naked, we're more beautiful than anyone else, and they will see what is the, the, uh, the quality of our project that we have built and the readiness we, we are and the, the, we're really carbon, you know, low carbon footprint. So we need to show it to the world. And it's difficult to reproduce if you have a transformation plan in Africa, impossible, you know, it's, uh, it won't work. If you're shipping your flag from Asia and transforming it here, well, not working in terms of uh, carbon footprint. So, I mean, we're, all those little things is value to answer your question in, sort, in, in short. Yeah, I, no, so, so I, I do get all of that. And I we, we have spoken to companies within the battery space, mining companies within the battery space who've tried to move downstream and, you know, re-rate themselves as, you know, industrial chemicals. And it doesn't quite work because because of the demands from the OEMs. And you're right, mining, mining companies aren't used to talking 
to OEMs. And I think, you know, Tesla perhaps has, ch has changed the model somewhat in terms of one, doing the deal with Piedmont with, with, with lithium, but two, the, the language that they use, you know, back first principles, we need cheaper, more efficient, greener nickel or lithium or graphite. And they, they demand that traceability. So is this a, your traceability component, is that just proprietary to you? Or is that something, you know, all companies will be using? Oh, it's a pilot. Uh, we, we announced it last fall. It's a pilot project like that we worked on in the last few months. And we showed up at the time when no one really wanted to show up. I said, yeah, we, we're, we're willing to work on this. For us, it's easy. Our two operations are close by. And there's a lot of different angles to that project. And we are the only like raw material supplier in the, in the pilot program. So, but, you know, I'm really keen that anyone want to learn from it it's uh we'll, we'll be keen to 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 do it to, sh to show them what we've done but to come back to what you said because coming from a mining company to a chemical company for me it's not something that we are doing just uh, because the rating of a chemical company is more than a mining company we need to do, to do that yeah otherwise and if i stay a mining company you know because my last few years you that's what I did. Like we, we had a deposit. I was talking to you in November 2019, explaining my project. And then I go there explaining our project and what we do to the customers that are getting organized. The customer were not organized in the last few, few years. Now they have a procurement department who want to look at uh, where to supply all that, that material that they need. And these guys, they would not be talking to us if we were, we were only a mining company because that's not what they supply. They are not supplying flay graphite. They, they want coated spherical graphite. They want a chemical product. So when I talk to them, you want a chemical product? Okay, where this product is coming from? From China. So what do we need to do, guys? So we need to hire the right experts to get, to make this ball, this 15 microns ball, fully carbon coated. So that's, there's a poster in our office, that's the target. That's what we need to do. We hired the engineers from BTR, we hired the engineers from uh, SGL Group, from Emrys, and we financed them in the last few years. We build a demonstration capacity, we get to know that it's not rocket science. If Elon can build rockets and cars, I'm sure I can make that ball with the team here. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, it is not, it is more difficult than being a, only a mining company, but we can achieve it with our science here, with all our relationship with all the different universities. We just need to mobilize everyone around the challenge of making the right coated spherical graphite and making it low cost, carbon neutral and all that. And I think we're very successful now. We have sent numerous kilograms to all the customer that appreciate our product. Now they will receive tons starting this summer. We'll complete the qualification process and we can finally end up making the, uh, uh, the large agreement, uh, long-term agreement that, it, that is a quality agreement that is good for long-term profitability of the business. Uh, so, I mean, it is happening. No, no, I, I appreciate it. And I, I, I like this conversation. You know, you, it's a very technical commodity that you're, that you're working with, kind of like lithium is too. Um, nickel and copper have it a little bit easier, I, I suspect. But they, they've got the same demands upon them, which is you've got to do this in a much greener way than you're doing it now. We, we need to aim for this carbon neutral or zero carbon target that, that everyone's setting for themselves. And 
just conscious of time, um, I want to ask you a question just on products, okay? Because you've got to make some choices down the line as to where, which markets you go for. I, I get the refractory bricks, 25,000 ton potentially of like easy baseline revenue coming in with tracks. Good. But on the, um, on the specialty graphite or the lithium iron, you, you're going to have to get that weighting right because your advantage at the moment is time. You are in the market at a point where others are years away, but at some point they'll catch up. So you want to, you're going to want to capture as much margin and of the market as possible now, yeah. but given the, the competitive tension with the Chinese suppliers too. Okay. So how are you viewing the way that you come at the market in terms of where you lean? Is it towards the lithium ion batteries or is it around the specialty products? Uh, I must say the priority need to be put on lithium-ion batteries. I mean, specialty graphite business, you're saying that everyone can catch up. I'm not sure. It's it's very difficult. You see, there's only four companies in in Americas, the whole Americas and in Europe that are selling graphite effectively in the last hundred years. I mean, there's Asbury uh, Carbon, SGL Group, Imris, and uh, maybe AMG in Europe. And if you include Brazil, you, we can talk about uh, National de Grafite. But these guys, they are operating since 100 years and they have developed their markets. So the, the strength that we have, the luck that we have is that Imris is depleted here. Uh, so they announced it to the local community that the Lac des Îles mine is near depletion. So we were very effective at recruiting skilled people who don't want to close a mine, they want to open one. And they understand the market and we can easily place our flake with them. And uh, so this is difficult to do. You cannot really do that very quickly. For the lithium-ion battery market, I, I tend to agree with you that when the price will soar and will we'll be uh, like everyone will a little bit look at what we do and the success we have. And then you will see a lot of people will want to piggyback on us a little bit for sure. Uh, but it's not easy, man. I mean, uh, hiring all the different expertise that we have. We have now uh, four PhDs, three master degrees working with us and all the deep relationship we do have with local universities here. And we make sure that we have exclusive relationship with them, that they cannot really give our, the hard work we've made with them in the last few years to others. We really have developed the right recipe to make this handled material. And we are fully permitted now. So, I mean, it will take a few years for people to catch up. And it's probably if someone, we see them getting better, we'll probably acquire them because that's something that can be done also, you know, growing by acquisition. We'll grow organically, but we are really attentive to the opportunity of growing also by acquisition if someone is becoming a threat, you know. Okay. Well, I guess you've, I guess you've got that luxury with, with, with Pallinghurst, uh, et cetera. Um, I know you're a vertical integrated business, upstream, downstream, but some of the basic uh, rules still apply. On the mining side, you're still going to have to look at things like exploration, work out what else you've got there, right? Because you've got, you've got one mine, but you've also got a lot of resource. Are you spending much time, mm -hmm. money and effort on that at the moment, or is there more exciting things to look at? Actually, just in the west zone of the whole block, you see it's a big anomaly, but just in the west zone, we do have uh, double the resource compared to the reserve that we have. So we could do an expansion to 200,000 ton a year. And we do have a lot of claims in the area because you're, 
if you remember, maybe not, because it was uh, probably 2015, 2014, we, we had quite a lot of few other deposits in the area of Saint-Michel-des-Saints. Uh, you know, there's no uh, short-term plan to, um, to develop those uh, deposits, but obviously this is not a short-term company. So maybe 2025 and onward, we will develop uh, one of those deposits. But short-term, what we're doing is we want to do a scoping study on potentially increasing the capacity of the mine just in the West Zone based on the resource that we have there. We need to show that plan to give optionality to our customer. They need to see that we can make it bigger because they want it bigger. I mean, the customer want quite a lot starting in 2025. And I, if I want to be credible telling them that, guys, if you want it in 2025, you, we need to start working on it today. And if we want to, I don't want them to answer, okay, but what's the plan? Oh, I don't know. No, I need to have a plan. I need to have a PEA without disrupting my team who are building the project and they need to be focused at delivering this 100,000 ton a year. We need to start developing a, a plan for 200,000 ton a year with a much bigger capacity in, uh, in Bicancourt. It's doable. The resource is all there at all level. There is no bottleneck other than commitment from customer. But I think it's now obvious that the customer are building those electric cars and they will require a lot of it and they don't even know it how much yet, you know? Yeah, well, that's it's interesting. So we've spoken to a couple, I think two out of the four biggest battery manufacturers in the world this, this side of uh, New Year. They're making plans for 2025 and beyond, 2030. And they're trying, they're reaching out and talking to uh, other battery metals, battery commodity uh, supplies, so mi mines. They're actually talking to the, the, the miners themselves because they don't know where it's going, where their supply is going to come from, and they're getting nervous about securing this. Yeah. You talked about M and A possibility. If anyone came into the graphite space, which you would consider a threat, that's an option for you now. What about other commodities outside of graphite? Where are you going to stick with what you know? Uh, good question. You know, uh, good question. Uh, it's not, uh, you know, we have developed so deep level of understanding of the graphite market and there's so much growth potential in this vertical. Uh, you know, starting new business line, maybe, maybe, but it's not, uh, I, I wouldn't, I, we need to really to deliver and capture the growth that exists today on the anode side and it's overlooked. There is competition on the cathode side. It's quite a competition. There's tremendous growth, I agree, but there is competition. Uh, on the anode side, there, are comp there is competition as well, but less. And we have really a leading position that we need to maintain, and the growth is phenomenal, as much on the anode than the cathode, you know? So, uh, so I mean, this is, and I really like uh, a, a statement from our friend Robert Friedland. He said that I was laughing big time when I heard him say that. He said, the battery maker now, they are really afraid they are building giga factories, but it will become giga building if, uh, if they're not, they don't have the raw materials. So, I mean, uh, that's a good way to explain it. So now they're building for billions of dollars, huge, like the Tesla factory is one of the largest building in the world. <laughs> and uh, if they don't have the raw material, it will be useless. You know? Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. Some of these um, it previously ignored commodities the, the graphites, yeah. the lithiums, the, the cobalts, you know, now starting to get the attention because 
the battery manufacturers and OEMs are getting very nervous about supply when they need it, 2025 and beyond, because you need to be you need to start building last year. Um, one last question: Are you worried about synthetic graphite? Nah, uh, you know, a synthetic graphite and a natural graphite compete since hundreds of years. And companies like Imris, they do both. They do natural, they do synthetic. Uh, in, in China, the, it's always been their both product. Uh, there is advantage and disadvantage of natural and, and artificial. I would say the main advantage of natural is the fact that Mother Nature did the hard work for us for millions of years, cooking it at 3,000 degrees C, taking a low quality carbon and making high quality graphite. This is a process that you need to, to make when you do artificial graphite. So you need to source the best needle coke possible to make it easier. And this needle coke is very uh, expensive and rare. So there's no, uh, there's no coker in the oil and gas industry that will build a needle coke facility. It's only a, a little a, a remains of the oil and gas uh, decantation process. Uh, so the supply of needle coke won't grow as fast as the lithium-ion battery market. I, actually, I've seen a research on that. That's you know that there's no growth in the needle coke business, and this is cannibalization as well into the electrode business. They need the same needle coke to do that, and it is an awful process for environment. There's so much energy used to cook that coke to 3,000 degrees the degree Celsius for a few days. So sustainability is not good. And doing all this, it's at least three times more expensive than natural graphite. Yes, the morphology of, uh, could be a little different because less crystallinity. Sometimes it's, uh, you have less swelling a little bit. So that's why blending will play a role in the future. Uh, natural graphite has a much better capacity. Uh, artificial graphite have a slightly better uh, life, life cycle profile. So, I mean, there's few differences like that, but, you know, natural graphite, I would say the best advantage of uh, artificial graphite is you can uh, build capacity. It's easier to plan the capacity you build. The permitting is, uh, you know, it's the same recipe all the time. It's an industrial project. So if they can manage the feedstock, uh, building capacity, it's easier to plan anyone. You can decide on building an artificial plan. It's much easier than building discovering a deposit like we did and doing all the, the permitting and building that and all that. But I mean, natural graphite is much cheaper. It is um, better capacity and capacity plays an important role. So outside China, everyone agreed that natural graphite will have a, a leading position. Would it, it won't be 100%, but it will, it will be above 50% content in the, the biggest lithium-ion uh, Interesting. Customer. Interesting. I, I like. I like. I'd look, I must go and do some more work on the blending uh, element. Well, look, Eric, <laughs> uh, great catch up. Fantastic year for you guys, especially at the end of last year. All, all your plans, you know, came together at the same time. Lots of good. Uh, your marketing team are fantastic. They're getting lots of good news, simple messages into market, easy to understand. I look forward to seeing more of the stories around the from the customer side from the client side of things uh, this year should be a good year shouldn't it yeah it will be a fantastic year and a fantastic uh, decade actually for us so growth is there we need to capture and be uh, 
be realistic but aggressive at the same time you know we need to uh, we need to understand our business that we're in and take the opportunities the opportunities are are there good eric stay in touch um let's know how you get on i'll be delighted to take your phone call great thank you very much matt thank you for listening if you've enjoyed the interview why not subscribe to cruxcast or our website cruxinvestor.com and of course our youtube channel crux investor Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.